Up next, a message from Victory Life Church of Milton. Three sections where they work together generally. And uh, these are the gifts of utterance. And these gifts are those that say something. And that's prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And then there's the power gifts, are those gifts that do something. And this is a gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healing. Notice a lot of times people say the gift of healing, but it's the gifts of healing. And then we have the last three gifts. And these are the gifts of revelation, or revelation gifts are those that reveal something. And this is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of the spirits. And um, I want to spend a little more time on the uh, utterance gifts this morning, but let me just take a little time to say this. We'll kind of go backwards right quick and give a review of these others we'll get into. Uh, discerning of the spirits. Now, it doesn't say the gift of discernment. Now, there's all kinds of people that like to get into everybody's business and, and judge people and look at them and say, well, God's given me the ability to discern. No. Uh, that's a gift you gave yourself, and it's called snooping and gossiping. Amen. It's the discerning of the spirits. And what this is, is... Uh, now, let me say this. Before, there's two ways you, you have your eyes opened into the supernatural. Uh, one is, is through the occult. Uh, and uh, a lot of times when people take drugs, they come into this realm. Because the occult and witchcraft, and we all, all know the word pharmacy or pharmakeia, is the same word uh, from the Greek is sorcery. So when you get into your horoscope, fortune-telling, uh, things of this nature, uh, when you uh, tarot cards or whatever, uh, you're in this realm. Uh, when you're taking drugs that alter the mind, you're in this realm, and it's going to open you up into the supernatural realm. Back in the early 70s, uh, late 60s, when everybody was turning on, tuning in, and dropping out, remember T uh, Timothy Leary, and acid was the big thing. And people were saying how they, uh, their minds were opened up to this uh, wonderful view of the spirit world and all these things they were seeing. Well, uh, a lot of people said it was hallucinating. Now, a lot of times when you're hallucinating, you're seeing into this realm. What they saw was not make-believe, but it was not God. And uh, this is why even afterwards, especially acid was a strange or LSD was a strange drug because you could take it and three months later have a flashback. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I got saved, thank God, before I got into any of that, but uh, I was right in that realm. I got saved in what they call the Jesus people movement in the late 60s. And, they, and most of these people were people that had been involved, trapped in the occult, and, and uh, were let out and become Christians. A lot of them in ministry today. Uh, in fact, as I uh, remember when... Before I got saved, I had hair down to here, you know, little blue eight-cornered sunglasses, goat tee, Charlie Chan mustache, and four kids. <laughs> and I uh, thought I was really hep. And then God told me what a goose I was. But uh, so that, that opened the, the world up. Now, to get back to the discerning of the spirits, uh, when this gift is operating, you can see something, and no matter how beautiful or wonder it looks, uh, by the discerning of the spirits, you'll know if that spirit's of God or not. Amen. I was in a room one time, and we were watching, um, I was watching a Christian program with a fellow, and uh, uh, one of the preachers was black. And, of course, this was a good old southern boy, and he got all 
upset and said, my God, they're taking over everything now. He said, even he's there. Look at there. Black guy taking over that program. And when he was doing this, I seen this little thing that looked kind of like a woodchuck or something, a weird looking little thing that was pointing at him and just laughing away. And I said, now this, this, this prejudiced demon, this demon of profanity has got him all worked up and he doesn't know he's being influenced by spirits. But that was the gift operating. Uh, I could tell you other instances, uh, some a little more hair-raising than that, what have you, but I've been in the, the ministry now since uh, 72. Yeah. Been in the ministry, well, no, I was going to say almost as long as I've been married. No, but I've been married a lot longer than that. But uh, anyhow, uh, numerous things. Uh, you might see, I, I remember one time this lady uh, came to me and her husband had just died. He, uh, they really worked for retirement, had a beautiful home. Everything was paid for. He was an interstate truck driver. And uh, he, he died. And all of a sudden, she's very lonely. And she says, but he comes and visits me all the time. And uh, she said, uh, I, it kind of disturbed me at first. And I went and asked my pastor. Uh, she was Presbyterian, all that. It would make a difference. And he said, well, how was he dressed? And she said, in white. And he said, well, that's all right. Yeah. I told her, I said, you know, it's forbidden for the dead to come back. Only one time was that ever allowed, and that was with Samuel. And when he went to the witch of Andorra to get information, and, and the witch was so used of dealing with familiar spirits, she knew something was wrong when Samuel showed up. Well, amen, because that's the only time that God's ever allowed it. And so, anyhow, I told her, I said, this is a familiar spirit. She said he was talking about all the things we did and all this and that. Well, you know what a familiar spirit is? It's a spirit that's familiar with things. And a lot of times, uh, they, will, they will go right on down from a one relative to another. And, and so they go along, they know things, and they can. this is a lot of times when you go to a fortune teller or something like that, they're dealing with a familiar spirit. And it deceives you, and it, and it distracts from what the Word of God says. So anyhow, I told her, I said, that's not your, that's not your husband. That's a deceiving spirit. That's a familiar spirit. And, of course, she didn't want to believe me. And I said, next time it comes, test the spirits and see if they be of God or not. I said, the next time it shows up, say, in the name of Jesus Christ and through his blood, identify yourself. Amen. So just regular clockwork, it showed up. She said that. And all of a sudden, she hears this pop like that. And it disappeared and never saw it again. Well, see, this is where discerning of the spirits come in. Now, you can get into this thing dealing with spirits and all of a sudden you begin to see a boogeyman behind every bush and, and that's not the case at all in fact let me tell you as far as people worrying about getting demon possessed or oppressed or whatever unless you have an appetite that's contrary to the will of God that will draw that spirit of like appetite but they just can't go down the road and say I think I'll jump on this person it just doesn't happen amen if uh one thing that's very common, and I've run into this over the years, is the demon of lying. You know, anybody can lie anytime they want. And they can stop from lying anytime they want. But I have met people that, that um, had actually become what they call an habitual liar, uh, and they would climb a tree to tell you a lie before they'd stay on the ground and tell the truth. And they just couldn't help it. 
And, 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 and the more the Spirit has a hold of them, the, these, these lies get so ridiculous that everybody can spot it for what it is before they even shut their mouth. The only thing is they, one thing about it, a, a, a liar of this kind, when they say something, they literally believe it. They can literally, they can literally pass a lie detector test. Why? Because they have lied and not showed themselves up, and they did it, and they attract this lying demon. And so, even when they want to tell the truth, they can't. And this thing just takes, you know, it says, and they were, the Spirit take them at, at, at will. Amen. Well, let me, let me go on. Uh, there's the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Now, the word of knowledge operates a lot in the prophetic ministry. And so does the word of wisdom. Now, the word of knowledge is a bit of God's knowledge. It's not the words of knowledge. It's not somebody that all of a sudden has the ability, they just understand anything, just overflowing with knowledge. You can get knowledge by studying. But the word of knowledge is something that pertains to ministry when it's beneficial for somebody. And God will either speak a, a word of his knowledge about past or present. Very seldom does knowledge have to do with the future. Because it can't be, you know, something has to happen for it to have some knowledge to it. But wisdom, a lot of times, speaks into the future. It speaks of, uh, God will show you something that's going to happen. Now, this is not fortune-telling, because that's against the will of God. And that's a counterfeit to the gift. Now, you know you can't have a counterfeit unless you have a reality. If there was no such thing with a $10 bill, and you drew one of your own, you think you'd ever get away with passing it? They'd look, what's this thing? What's a $10 bill? I never heard of it. Well, amen. So that, that's what, we're going to get into these a little later on, a little uh, deeper, but just wanted to give people an idea uh, what, what that was. And these are what's known as the revelation gifts. Now, <coughs> the power gifts, the gift of faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healing. Now, one thing it says, the gifts work as the Spirit wills. Now, if somebody has something flowing them all the time, I would question whether it was a deceiving spirit or not. Because the gifts work as God wants them to work, not when you do. I've had people call me up and say, I need a word. Give me a word. Well, you want me to make you up one? If God doesn't give me something for you, I can't say it. And, and I've often told this when I'm ministering. I said, I, I don't get into the guessing game. If God reveals something to me, I'll share it with you. But I'm not going to come up and say, Thus saith the Lord, you're going to be greater than the next Billy Graham. Praise him for it. You know, people like to hear things like that. But it's just not true. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? It's a little different than where we normally go. But uh, So, there, there's a gift of miracles. Now, this gift operates when it is necessary. Like if, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, when Moses raised his rod, that was a good example of a miracle. They needed a miracle. They had a bunch of mad Egyptians after them. Uh, different things of that. Now, miracles work when they're needed. Now, I can say, well, I'm a Christian and I believe in the gifts. So I'm going to go down here to the Blackwater River today and you come and follow me and I'm going to part it and walk across there. You know what? You'd watch me drown. Because there'd be absolutely no purpose for it. It would draw attention to me, but it sure wouldn't glorify God. Amen. So when the gifts aren't operating, 
It's always for the benefit of the person and always to glorify God. It's never to build up oneself or to edify oneself or to draw away from uh, God. God shares his glory with no one. So then there's the uh, gift of faith. Now I've experienced this a couple times myself uh, in evangelistic ministry. And uh, the gift of faith, see there's, there's, there's saving faith that you need to get saved. There is the measure of faith that God has given to every man. And then the Bible uh, talks about one of the fruits of the Spirit, uh, uh, which is faith. And also it says, well, when he returns, will he find faith? Now that word, when he returns, will he find faith? That word literally means, will he find faithfulness? Amen. So we're looking at different, but this gift of faith, when there's something beyond your ability to believe for, when it has to happen, and I've shared this with you before, but the thing that stands out in my mind the most was in Silverton, Oregon. Uh, we were ministering there at a convention, and uh, there was a, I, I think you'll probably, most of you know this as well as I do, but back in the back of this hall, they'd use the dining hall for the church services, and then they'd move the, the tables and stuff and set the chairs up for the services. Well, in the back was a kitchen. And so I had the one in the afternoon. So this lady... Uh, there, she'd be doing the cleaning the dishes and all this, and then she'd come out when she'd get things ready. And she had her grandson with her. And this guy, a uh, young fellow, was an epileptic. Uh, he had seizures so bad he had to wear a football helmet. He also was a spastic. And so I would see them, I'd be ministering, and they'd usually come out and they'd go out a side door. Well, one day I had an altar call. And I wondered what was up. They walked by the side door. And she's bringing that boy down there for prayer. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, a hangnail, a stomachache. <laughs> but this? So she was bringing him down for prayer. Well, I surely couldn't believe. I mean, I, I would tell you, my mind was going 100 miles a minute. All of a sudden, something happened. There was this warmth that come over me. Uh, I begin to weep, and I run, and I grabbed him, and I said, in the name of Jesus be healed. He was. Now, that was the supernatural impartation of the gift of faith. All of a sudden I could believe where ten minutes before I couldn't. We also experienced raising the dead in Bremerton one time and the same thing happened. The fact is when they come up and told me this lady had died in the back of the church, I wanted to sneak out the back door. I was up there for praying for people after service, having an altar call, and Claudia come up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, they need you in the back. Uh, this lady died. I thought, oh my God, why in my services? Especially when I went and preached all this, you know, just believe God stuff. And here this woman dies in the back of the church. So I go back there and somebody's leaning over and they say, uh, you know, she's not breathing. Somebody's call, yelling, calling an uh, uh, aid car. Somebody's saying, get Brother Fred to do something and all this stuff. And, and uh, so I had no choice but to do something. So I said, in the name of Jesus, get up. Just lay there. In the name of Jesus, get up. And that was three or four times and all of a sudden this gift of faith came into operation. I mean, and it, it was supernatural. It wasn't me. I had, the Lord had me raised down, get her hand. I said, in the name of Jesus, get up. All of a sudden, where she was just about the color of the white on that page, all of a sudden color come back in there. She had dropped her purse and gloves on the floor. 
she got up, picked up her gloves, her purse, took her husband's hand, and walked out of church. And uh, I had found out later that this man, he was a chief on a ship that was in the dry dock in Bremerton at that time, and they read in the paper where this revival was going on, and they decided to come. She was bedridden. Her heart was so bad that she could get up for an hour a day and sit in a recliner. She wasn't even to get out of bed to use the restroom. She had to use a bedpan. Her heart was just shot. They decided what we have to lose. They went to church. And uh, the thing is, uh, they didn't even come up for the altar call. I guess they were leaving because she didn't get called out or something. I don't know, but they were leaving. And, and uh, God raised her up. Three or four years later, some of you all remember Rob Tolley. Rob and I went to a convention in California. This guy came up to me and he said, you remember me? I said, uh, no. He said, my wife is the one who died at the Bremerton Revival Center. And he said, God had given her a new heart. He said, I just thought I'd tell you. He said, I retired from the Navy and we're missionaries in Mexico. Oh. So that, that was a good example of how the gift of healing, uh, or the gift of faith operates. And I'm not afraid to ask God to install that gift in me when I'm facing something that I just have hard trouble believing. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The gift of faith is a, is a divine, direct impartation from God at the moment it's needed. And it's not so much for your benefit, it's the benefit of the person that needs that. Amen. So, you know, it's nothing great about you. You don't have any great faith because it's on land. So praise the Lord. And then there's the gifts of healing. Touch these uh, roughly. What are the gifts of healing? It, you notice it all it says the gift of, the gift of, and here it says the gifts of. And uh, they operate different. What was it? Derek Prince's son that had the healing for teeth. Uh, I remember when he was in the Milton, uh, they were holding meetings at uh, Milton High School Auditorium. And uh, everyone the son prayed for got his teeth healed. Now, some people, something else, something else. But there's a, you know, uh, it, it's, it works differently. Some people specialize, it seems like, if people have stomach problems and, and they got this gift, it, it'll work good in that. And it's, it's almost like specialties. But, so it's the gifts of healing. Amen. And now we're going to go on to the, the last three, which are the most common seen in the church. Now, one thing I want to strive for... Uh, and we're kind of lacking in that. See, the Bible talks about full body ministry. What's body ministry? That's where the body has the ability and is mature enough to minister to the whole body. The pastor's not called to do it all. But every one of these gifts should operate. Now, it's different with the administrative gifts. Those God gives out to who he wants. But every one of us to seek the best gift. Now, how do we know if we're operating properly in that gift? We use the Word of God to judge it. How do you test the spirits? One way is you've got to know the Word and see if it's lining up with the Word. Amen. And so, uh, I've been in Catherine Kuhlman meetings where uh, I remember I've seen this happen a couple times with her. They would be, she'd be ministering and right in the middle of her ministering somebody jump up and begin to speak in tongues. And she'd just point at them and say, shut up and sit down. She said, that gift is of God, but you are out of order. 
seen people say, well, I couldn't help it. The Spirit just fell on me. You know what? The Spirit is subject to the prophet. Nobody, something just happens and you can't control yourself. You make the choice. Amen. And so in Pentecostal churches uh, where the gifts are operating and they're real, but people misuse them. Amen. You know, uh, if you're right in the middle of the song service, now, it might be one thing to do it between songs, but if you interrupt praise to come forth with a word, you're out of order. It doesn't mean the gift is out of order. Praise the Lord. Right, pumpkin? Amen. So, we've got uh, what we call the gifts of utterance. There's prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, I need to do a little reading from the Word. Uh, I hadn't done this, but it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you are led. Therefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God, uh, or calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Spirit. Now it says, then it goes on to talking about the, <coughs> the gifts, the nine gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and then it, it goes on to talking about we want to specifically deal with the gifts of utterance. Now, prophecy is the main one. Now it says this, But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edifying, exhortion, and comfort. And he that speaketh uh, uh, in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. Now he goes on to say that when you speak in tongues and it's interpreted, it's equal to prophecy. It's basically the same thing. In fact, is when you get in a, in a congregation where there's more mature people and they're more sensitive to the Spirit, uh, you'll see a lot more just prophecy coming forth other than tongues and interpretation. Now, if you have more of a mixed group and, and there's people in there that aren't trained or aren't familiar with how the Spirit operates, because the tongues is <coughs> one of the main things is a sign for the unbeliever. But now you notice it says diverse kinds of tongues. Now, there's also, uh, there's the prayer language that you get with the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a s evidence that you've received. Then there's also the tongues of praise and, and tongues that you pray in, that, that you edify yourself. When I'm speaking in tongues or I'm praying in tongues, I'm speaking mysteries that only God understands. I don't understand it. That's why the devil hates it so much. You know, this I can't even mess it up. I can get down on my knees and I can make up all kinds of things I think I need. Oh, God, please give me this. Oh, I've got to have that. Or this or that. And, but see, if I'm praying in tongues, I'm speaking mysteries. It's the Spirit of God stirring up my spirit and I'm praying a prayer that can't be messed up. Nobody understands it but God. See, now... The devil can't read minds, but he can understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? This is why when uh, Satan was wanting to kill all the babies in, in uh, Israel, this is why God spoke to Joseph in a dream and told him to take the child to Egypt. The devil, see, he can throw fiery darts at you. He can irritate you. He can give you suggestions and ideas. Uh, but he don't know what you're doing until he sees your actions. He knows he's getting to you by your actions. 
<coughs> this is why we're to bring every thought and imagination into the obedience of Christ. In other words, I don't act on anything that's contrary to God's will. Because the devil knows he's, he's getting by with it. Now, uh, so, uh, like I say, this is one of the things that's most operating in the church, and it's needed. Uh, they're, they're needed. Now, so, speaking in tongues, there's nothing wrong with praying in tongues in church. We do everything decent and in order. Now, if it's out of order, now, if I was to go into First Baptist and all of a sudden jumped up and started speaking in tongues, where they don't en embrace that gift, I'd be totally out of order. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Now, it's a gift, and it's, it's a sign for the unbeliever. But you use wisdom in where? Now, a lot of times, somebody will come forth with an utterance in tongues, uh, and then there'll be an interpretation that'll speak directly to somebody that knows uh, that only God knew that. Y'all with me? Praise the Lord. So, remember this. Diverse kinds of tongues. There's the prayer language. There's the praise and prayer. See, I, I can... Paul said he prayed in the Spirit and he sang in the Spirit. He said, I also do it with understanding. So I can do both. Amen. There's, there's something about... See, somehow a lot of Pentecostals have got the idea the more I speak in tongues and the louder I get and the more I run around church, the more spiritual I am. Well, you can't speak in tongues too much. Well, amen. But uh, I, we used to go to a church years ago and there was one lady in there that uh, somehow, no matter where we sat, she was right behind us. <laughs> and she would invertedly get excited and jump up and begin to, I mean, not just speak in tongues, but she would make the rafters rattle. And uh, every service. That was totally missed. I mean, it wasn't edifying. It wasn't building up. It was strengthening. There was no interpretation with it. Uh, it, it, was, it was a release for her. And I'm sure it was praise coming out. But how is it affecting the rest of the congregation? See what I'm saying? If, if the service is going that way, in fact, some of the greatest services I've ever seen is when we're in, in praise and worship, and then at the end, it would just kind of, there'd be a sweet spirit flowing over things, and people would begin to, to lightly sing in the spirit, they'd begin to praise, and it would just put a warmth over the whole congregation. And uh, I, I long to see more of that. There's nothing more beautiful than people singing in the spirit. Praise God. Amen. And so, it's a very, very important thing. You can't speak. I'm going to minister more on the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, and speaking in tongues so people understand it more. Because it isn't just something you can sit down and, and uh, do. But it is, it's scriptural. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, the Bible says when Paul was a child, he acted as a child, but when he became adult, he put away childish things. That's in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, first 14th chapter, he makes this statement. I speak in tongues more than y'all. So it couldn't have been that that he put away. When it's talking about that which is perfect has come, you can see in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, when it says that he gave apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, until we all come on to that perfect man. 
when the church comes to a place of perfection in Christ, then these things won't be needed anymore. But Joel said, this promise is unto me, it's unto you, to your children, and those, and those that are far off. This is for everybody. But see, no matter how wonderful it is, it all has to start with a real born-again experience in Christ Jesus. If it doesn't have that, then, like the Bible says, it is nothing but tinkling bells and sounding brass. And uh, if I'd been to some Pentecostal churches before I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'd probably be a good Presbyterian today. Amen. In fact, I got the light. You know, I was raised Catholic. But I first got around some Pentecostals. It scared the fire out of me. Because the first church I went to was wild. They had a singing group there they called the Sons of Thunder. And boy, they got to running around that place. And, and I think the first two or three times I went there, I never stayed through the whole service. You know. So uh, the gifts can be uh, misappropriated, let me put it that way, misused. Uh, and so a lot of the church in general today, and I'm talking about Christendom in general, uh, are afraid of the gifts because they don't understand them. And then those that aren't, sometimes we go to extreme, misusing them. Amen. And so uh, we, we talk about tongues and interpretation of tongues, uh, which I said is the same uh, as prophecy. If someone gives a word in tongues and then it's interpreted, it is the same as if the gift of prophecy was in operation. Same thing. Now, the one we have left here is, is prophecy. What is prophecy? Well, a lot of times prophecy is misunderstood. Let me, let me read something here from uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith, unto the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statutes of the fullness of Christ. So these are the administrative gifts. There is a big difference between the prophetic and prophecy. In fact, is, uh, what was the prophet when he came to town? They would always meet him at the gate and say, Did you come in peace? Samuel. Because... Sometimes when he come and uh, one prophet uh, got so upset with the people he slapped in the face and jerked their beards out. So, I mean, prophets uh, can edify, they can build up, they can strengthen, they can tear down. main thing is, is they reveal. Now, this is something God's used me a lot in over the years and, and uh, because I've seen so many people all of a sudden want to be self-proclaimed prophets, I just kind of backed up and said, I'll let them do it. Uh, I've been in uh, churches where it would be amazing. I remember one church in a little town called Tickfa, Louisiana. And I was there, and there was three young ladies that were called out, one right after the other. And of course, you know, I don't know what's going to be said until I hear it being said. I mean, I just don't all of a sudden get this wild idea in my mind, and i got to go tell you. First thing, I'd question that, because it's a deep calling to deep. It comes from the spirit. If it comes from the mind... I have to question that. But anyhow, I had to call this one out. There was three of them in the same service. It was probably a church of about 50, 60 people. And it was this thing that befell you at 12 years old. Or this, this thing that happened to you that devastated you uh, when you were 19. 
or this thing that happened in such and such a year. Found out later that all three of these young ladies, that were from different families, but all three of these young ladies had been a, 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 a victim of incest. And having this hurt that had been put in there, see, it wasn't just called out exactly what it was. They knew. And when they heard it called out and, and then the, the word of assurance that God loved them and he was aware of the problem he was going to heal them, they were set free from that thing that had held them in bondage for years. See, only God knew that. I was in another church. This also was in Louisiana. This was in uh, uh, Walker. And we were just having a good time, and the, the prophetic gift was operating, and, you know, everybody was getting real nice prophecies, and I was just happy, and all of a sudden I turned around to the guitar player and said, you are a thief and a Jacob. And I felt my ears <laughs> begin to warm. And, uh, you know, uh, and it, it was a real hard word. And then after that word, walked to the lady in the back of the church and said, dear, God knows the hurt you're going through and how you've been lied about, and how you've had to take the blame for things that somebody else has done, and how you've been abused and misused. Later on, I found out it was his wife. Oh. And uh, the pastor come to me and said, you know, half, a, half of the church is related to this guy. <laughs> and she said, we've had a real problem, and we didn't know how to handle it. We gave him $4,000 to close in the front porch and make a foyer out of it. He's never driven the first nail, but the 4000 is gone plus other things. And she said, we didn't know how to handle it. His mother's the piano player. His sister plays a uh, uh, thing there. In fact, his sister later become a good friend of Ricky Evans. <laughs> but anyhow, see, that straightened that situation out. So uh, people one time said, well, if God is not going to hurt anybody, he's not going to embarrass anybody. You know, like... Uh, Let's say if the Lord, you better repent because of this and this. Now, it's not uncommon for a prophet to do something. In fact, you remember when Alan Arrowwood used to come there? People would tell me, let me know when he's coming. We want to repent before he gets here. Uh, and amen. But people say, well, God would never do anything to embarrass anybody. Ask Ananias and Sapphira if God would embarrass them. You went, when, when all of a sudden the... the Apostle said, you're a liar, and they dropped dead. You don't think that wasn't embarrassing? Well, amen. Now, the last one is, is prophecy. And the reason I brought this out, a lot of things people get involved, they, they, uh, they get uh, a misunderstanding between prophecy and the prophetic. Now, prophecy <coughs> uh, is this. It's always given, and we can find it here in the, the scripture. Uh, the prophecy uh, is always given to edify, to build up, to strengthen, to encourage. The prophecy is never to be operated to chasten, bawl out, or scold anybody, or to reveal sin. See, because one thing is, Everybody should prophesy. They all should seek to prophesy. But if they're not in an administrative place in the church, they don't have any covering or position to rebuke. See what I'm saying? Everything is done in an order. And so uh, I remember we had a lady 
this is years ago. In fact, we were still at the clubhouse. And so I'll show you how long ago that was. Very few remember that. But uh, this lady, you know, she, she was friends with other people in the church, and she knew about them. And there was this one young lady that had kind of a sordid past. Uh, she had got into a little immorality and whatnot. Of course, the lady knew about it. And she got up, and she says, she spoke in tongues, and then she says, Thus saith the Lord. And she started revealing all these things. But I had to take her aside, and I told her, I said, You have missed God. It's not your place. And besides, I believe that wasn't revelation, that was information. Amen. Uh, now, Alan was the most bold person I ever heard of in some of his things. I mean, he would come right up. I remember one time there was a couple visiting the church here. And I remember him come up to him and said, you all better quit shacking up. And found out they were. But now, uh, God's never used me uh, in that way. Usually a little more tact. It'd probably be something like that thing that's going on in secret. Better stop. Or <laughs> something like that. Uh, uh, you know, uh, but that's, that's a prophetic office. That is not prophecy. And so if somebody is scolding you and, and it's a prophecy, they have missed the boat. And I, I've seen that a lot in Pentecostal circles. And, and it's not so much their fault. It's the fault of the leadership of the church because they haven't taught them. Now, how can we operate in the gifts if we're not instructed on how to operate? And I haven't neglected that. Because somehow we take it, for example, that everybody knows it. But uh, my desire is, and, and, and I want you all to pray and, and everything. I, my desire is to have this fellowship operating as a full body ministry. Every person in the body has something that somebody needs. Uh, whether it's encouragement, uh, whether it's intercessory prayer, uh, a word. Now, uh, I'm not against anybody having a word for somebody. Uh, but I am against them doing it in secret. Uh, and I don't think you'll find any stable ministry that will let somebody take somebody aside or in a back room or something and, and say, God's give me this word for you. Amen. If I have a word for somebody, I give it open. Unless it's of a very, unless it is a prophetic word and, uh, you know. Uh, but I, I know this sometimes. It, see, when God's working with somebody, as far as prophetic and a hard word, that's only the last resort. God loves people so much that he'll minister to you, minister to you, bring conviction, and when you ignore it, he loves you enough that if he has to embarrass you, he will. Amen. But it's a last resort. Well, praise God. And I thank God that he loves uh, me that much. I can't even remember what it was now. There was no grave sin, but uh, I, I had a little problem with pride, a little arrogance and whatnot, hard to believe, but uh, and we went over to a, a meeting over at uh, Abundant Life, and there's a prophetess over there by the name of Jan Painter, and I'd always liked Jan to this time, and uh, she had given me this word that was kind of scathing, and I went home so mad, I said, I always thought she was a real prophetess of the Lord, but evidently not. And I laid in bed stewing over that and whatnot, and God began to show me some things. And I said, Lord, I need to repent. She hit the nail on the head. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was another time. I had to bring that up. Uh, going up to this meeting in Sampson, 
And I, I, you know, I was getting uptight about some things and worrying about, you know, how this was going to work out and how that was going to work out. And so uh, 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 I walk in, and there's a meeting going on, and I'm walking in the door. I'm a little late. And I walk in the door, and the minister didn't know me. The guy ministering didn't know me from Adam's house cat. And he said, oh, it's fretting Freddie. <laughs> and Claudia loved that. And uh, then he had a few more words, but he just, he just read my mail. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes, uh, and this has happened more than once, not only to me, but other people, where they get a word and they just, you know, that's wrong. That's wrong. I don't. Uh, and then they get to thinking over it, and God will begin to show them something. I'll say this about uh, prophetic. One thing about the prophetic, God is never going to tell you something that he hasn't already told you, or else he's going to confirm it through other people. If somebody says, let's this, this, say the Lord and you're to do it right now, I'll tell them to go sit on a tack. For one thing, God's either dealt with me about it or he's going to confirm it. Let everything be confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I don't act on anything that one individual, no matter how much I look up to him, we have this gift which is perfect but we have it in an earthen vessel. Amen. And so, uh, I want to I wanna wait if it hasn't been confirmed. Now, so often, I've had a word that already God had spoken to me about it in a dream, or I'd gotten that word from somebody else, and it was a confirmation. But I just don't grab anything and run with it. So praise the Lord. Well, I hope I didn't... Uh, overload you with something. Uh, uh, usually, yeah, uh, usually when I get into something like this, uh, instead of getting right into the gifts, we, we talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and this type thing and how it's used and when it's used and the purpose of it. But I'll, I'll say this, and I don't want to talk too much about speaking in tongues until we can explain it and show Scripture more about it. But uh, in Jude, it talks about praying in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. Uh, and one thing about it, uh, when I'm praying in the Spirit, I, I can be so down and, and just don't know how I'm going to handle something. I can pray in the Spirit because, see, it's edifying me. It says it edifies the person. Now, uh, I've been in places where somebody would uh, begin to uh, just really come out loud in tongues and whatnot, and, and uh, it, it wasn't to be interpreted. They were going through something, and they were releasing something, and they didn't realize it was an outlet. Uh, I've seen people that, uh, I could even mention a person on the praise team one time that would periodically do that. And I knew it, uh, they may not have understood, but I know it was a grooving of the Spirit, a grieving of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit intervening for them. And they were being edified. The rest of the church wasn't, but they were. Because, see, they were a little out of order in the way they were doing it. Now, God is not a legalist, but God has structure. And that's one thing that's been neglected in a lot of charismatic and Pentecostal churches is we've had the gifts, but we haven't had the structure. Uh, I've been in uh, churches where somebody would need deliverance and they were just going spastic. And everybody was so afraid of grieving the spirit, they never decided to check and see what spirit it was. 
Amen. The fact is, I got kind of disinvited from a church. I used to preach at all the time. In case that was going on one time, I just went over to the person I said, in the name of Jesus, I cast out this religious spirit. Well, she stopped, and so did the pastor. <laughs> Amen. Like Alan said, you know, brother, we've been kicked out of some of the best churches. <laughs> well, one thing about the prophetic ministry, and that's something the Lord uses me the most in when I'm traveling, it doesn't always make you the most popular person. Because it isn't always ear-tickling. If you could go in there and say, Thus saith the Lord. You're going to read heights, reach heights that Billy Graham would just dream of getting there. But God's called you to it. Amen, brother. I receive that. But thus saith the Lord. We had a lady here one time, and I'm looking for a place to stop. We had a, I think it was Gary Rich was here, and he came up to her, and he said, uh, it was actually the Lord saying, said that she had rings on every finger. She had a ring and bracelets all the way up her arm and jewelry hanging all over. Her husband's on the, on the auto dealership. And uh, he came up to her and he said, Sister, God wants to deliver you from pride. And, uh, and uh, she had pride. Well, she came to me immediately after and said, uh, I don't receive that. Do you believe that? And, of course, being the iron rod in my back that I had, I said, well, it's not important whether I believe. What do you believe? <laughs> so she came out and she said, Claudia, do I have pride? And Claudia, being silver-tongued the way she is, said, yes. <laughs> yes, you need deliverance from pride. <laughs> but anyhow, praise the Lord. Well, we want to get into more of this as we go on and, and uh, like I say, go back to the, the beginning. We're going to look at the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Is it for today? Is it not? Uh, look at, if you can't prove things by Scripture and not just one Bible verse, but if you can't prove it in Scripture, then don't buy it. And if, if somebody neglects other Scriptures to try to disprove it, don't buy it. Thanks for listening to this message from Victory Life Church. Go to VictoryLifeChurchOfMilton.com for more and may God bless you.